This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the preview show on the Blood Red podcast channel. I'm your host Paul Wheelock and we're here to look ahead to the Carabao Cup tie between Liverpool and Chelsea. It is the first of two meetings between the clubs in the space of four days, but our focus on this show is completely on Wednesday's third round tie at Anfield. Hopefully you know the drill by now with this podcast. We speak to a reporter who covers or a fan who supports the team that Liverpool are facing and we also speak to one of our journalists who knows the Reds best. That's usually James Pearce, but he was off yesterday. However, that did not stop James from speaking to Chris Kirkland, the former Reds goalkeeper who is now caretaker manager of Liverpool Women, as part of a podcast we'll be publishing later this week. Instead, I caught up with our Liverpool FC reporter Ian Doyle, who was at Melwood for Jurgen Klopp's press conference on Tuesday in James's absence. We talked Seaman Mignolet, Fabinho and whether the Reds should target the Carabao Cup. But this podcast begins with my chat to Nizar Kinsella, who is the Chelsea correspondent for Goal.com. Just before we start, it'd be great if you get the chance to rate, review or subscribe to the Blood Red podcast channel. And if you'd like to get in touch to tell us about what podcast you enjoy or what we could do better, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Wheelock. So bye for now and we'll be back after the match for our post-game podcast to see if Liverpool have made it eight wins on the spin. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hi Nazar, good to speak to you again mate uh, about the first of two matches between Liverpool and Chelsea. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a big test for Chelsea and uh, their title credentials and uh, see where they're really at under Maurizio Sarri. Yeah, the last time we spoke, I think it was at the back end of last season, Antonio Conte was uh, in the final throes of his Chelsea regime. He did leave with an FA Cup win under his belt. But how's his compatriot, Maurizio Sarri, getting on the, the new man in charge? Yeah, he seems quite relaxed at the moment. Um, he's made a lot of friends. He's, he's playing good football. Uh, it's a big change of football. You know, Chelsea, in the past, were used to that sort of letting the opposition have the ball, hitting them on the break, pretty strong defences. Uh, not really having so much possession and now uh, there's a complete sort of revolution and it's a revolution that Abramovich has been wanting for a long time. Um, he's always been a, a keen admirer of Pep Guardiola and uh, he's never been able to get it so he's gone, who's the next best thing that we can get? He plays that sort of football and he's gone, it's that Napoli manager. It took ages to get him in. Uh, so actually Conte took the first week of pre-season for Chelsea so Sarri really has behind and uh, I was a little bit surprised Definitely. I think I remember watching the, the Man City game in the Community Shield and Chelsea looked like a work in progress. Is it a surprise to you? I think you've just touched on it there that they've actually started the season so strongly given the fact that, you know, Sadi had a lot of work to do in a short space of time. Yeah, I think it was a surprise. I mean, Chelsea have great players. They always have done. Uh, it's a bit of a heading in period. It's a, a style of football uh, that was going through at Stamford Bridge, but players are used to changing managers, uh, a bit unlike Liverpool nowadays, uh, they're used to uh, having a new manager every two years, I mean two years is quite a long stint really, so Conte did well to last that long, uh, but yeah, it uh, uh, sort of helps the, the, the fact the players are quite uh, malleable to their new coaches, um, uh, but I thought, I thought that we'd see more performances like the one against West Ham, you know, where they struggle to break teams down, I mean, criticism of Sarri in Italy was often 
you know, they play beautiful football, but they, you know, sometimes teams could just put 10 men behind the ball and stop them getting through, and that's exactly what happened with West Ham. So, um, you know exactly how a Sarri team's going to play. He won't change. He just believes his football philosophy will bleed through, and uh, and that, that gives the opposition a chance to sort of say, uh, this is our game plan to stop you, and West Ham did it brilliantly at the weekend. Um, so I was expecting more of that, um, but a good start. Uh, really impressive. Eden Hazard's been on fire, so... That's something Liverpool will be a bit concerned about. Um, top scorer in the Premier League, I think, still, uh, with five goals. Um, yeah, he's doing well. Will there, is there any chance, I should say, that Eden Hazard will play on Wednesday night at Anfield in the Carabao Cup, or do you think he'd be safe for the big Premier League game at the weekend? Well, he was the one guy they rested in the Europa League. Uh, I think that he prioritised that Europa League tie against Pauk ahead of this Liverpool Cup game, so... I think we will see quite a weak team and I think Hazard might be left out or or at least just left on the bench. He didn't even travel to Greece uh, and I think they, they want to protect him um, for the league games. So I think that he could be left out. Uh, but the thing is, Pedro's also injured. So uh, there's, there's kind of becoming a lack of options. There's Pedro out injured, there's uh, Rudiger out injured and um, and there's also Ruben Loftus-Cheek who can sort of play in that attacking midfield role. Uh, so if they do leave out Hazard, it would probably be Willian and Callum Hudson-Odoi starting. And I uh, don't know if you know Hudson-Odoi, but he's Chelsea's bright, bright academy talent. You know, the one that all the fans absolutely love at the moment. He's 17 years old. He plays beautiful football, good with both feet, scores goals, gets a stick. Um, he's played a few times under Conte. He did really well in pre-season under Sarri. Um, so it, it will be him if it's not Hazard. And uh, that would be... I think that would be welcomed by a lot of Chelsea fans, but it would also mean a big test for Chelsea to get through a tie with a 17-year-old winger on the on the left flank. Yeah, the success of Chelsea's youth teams. Uh, we met first uh, first met a few years ago, didn't we, in FA Youth Cup semi-final tie? And it's well documented, isn't it? But are we beginning to see players actually get the chance now at Chelsea? These young players and, and prove what they can do. Well, a short answer, and it's a sad one to say, is no, not really. Um, Dom Solanke has struggled at Liverpool but I think he would have struggled even more at Chelsea I think um, it still remains a frustration the fact that Loftus-Cheek hasn't broken through uh, that, that's a sort of frustration for a lot of people in the academy and at Chelsea in general and um, Ethan Ampadu star with Wales if you noticed, uh, noticed that over the last international break 17 years old he's a real real talent and he's not getting games this season either so uh, Chelsea really under Sarri they've not really given anyone you know a game given them a breakthrough uh, so it, it's kind of still it's, it's still a huge question mark and I think that the problem is is that they keep changing managers if you have a guy like Jurgen Klopp who's been around for a while they can they can sort of reap the rewards of playing a youngster you know you're looking at somebody like Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, he's just pulled out a great right back out of the academy and giving him the game time and, and yeah he might make a few mistakes but Klopp's there you know Klopp's going to be there for a few years so he's going to reap the reward in a couple of years time and he might have one of the best right backs in England after a while so um, yeah is Sarri going to be there for the long haul um, we don't know probably not on track record so uh, it's really tough for these academy stars to break through and we could see more Dom Solanke stories coming to Chelsea in the next few years and I think that Southgate is also encouraging a lot of these young players to leave the top clubs and it's not just Chelsea but I think Chelsea are the ones that sort of stick out as being the worst of producing such great talent you saw it they're always there in the youth league semi-finals finals but 
they just don't make the next step to the first team. And I think that it's source of frustration for the academy and fans and, and lots of people around Chelsea. Is it also because of the strength of the squad? I looked at that game against their Salonica in Greece in the Europa League a few weeks ago, and it looks a really strong side. Or was that Sarri actually prioritising that? Does he want to do well in the Europa League this season? Well, yeah, I think that was the toughest game in the group. I think this one of fixtures is quite tough for Chelsea. Um, probably will get a lot easier in the next couple of uh, months just because the Europa League games, they get easier. You know, Mulvady are worse than Park. Um, the Liverpool and the Cup was a tough draw it's been quite a tough one uh, for the squad to handle but yeah it's a great squad it, it really is in terms of depth maybe not in terms of really top star power but um, Sarri says it's too big he thinks the squad's too big um, I think that they would ideally like to sell uh, have sold a few more players uh, Danny Drinkwater is still in the squad uh, remember him uh, <laughs> he's yeah. there and uh, you know, Loftus-Cheeks feels like he's miles away from the first team. They've got, you know, Gary Cahill's frustrated and feels like he won't get a chance. Um, Andreas Christensen, a great young defender, barely played this season. So, um, yeah, this, it's a huge squad, really, for, for what Chelsea need. And, uh, you know, and then, and then you've got the great academy underneath it and the loan system. Um, they've really stockpiled some talent now, and I think they need to sell more in January and, uh, and try and trim trim a bit of the weight. Um, they're good players, these guys. So uh, Chelsea second eleven will be quite strong, and I think they will play a second eleven against Liverpool. Um, and yeah, that, that might include Morata as well. He's dropped into a second eleven after, despite being a fifty million pound signing. Wow. So, uh, I think more than that actually. Sorry, yeah. but uh, yeah. So I think that. Yeah, I think I think to be honest, I think they will make the changes because you've you had Southampton he rotated a little bit on Saturday and then given the fact that it's Chelsea, Napoli and City in the space of seven days, I think everyone is desperate for for a trophy for Liverpool and their trophy job, but I just think in the priority list it's uh, I imagine the Carabao Cup's at the bottom of it. Yeah, that's a really rough one of fixtures, so yeah, I think Chelsea's probably easier but uh, they've had a few injuries that have fallen at the wrong time. I'm, I'm, uh, one thing that would worry me, especially for the league game, is Antonio Rudiger. Uh, he's the quickest defender at Chelsea. They're, they've got a pretty slow defence, uh, you know, apart from him. Uh, so I'd be worried about his absence from the games against Liverpool. Um, he, he's trying to get back to the league game, uh, but he missed training like uh, yesterday. Uh, so it, it, it's not started well, um, and he, he, you know, when you've got Salam, uh, Mane, uh, you want the quick defender, and you know Gary Cahill, we know is not the quickest. Uh, you know Christensen, he's a ball playing defender. Uh, Alonso's not the quickest. Aspilicueta's not the quickest. So uh, yeah, it's going to be. They might get some joy Liverpool just just playing with their pacey players. I think pretty much all Liverpool's forwards are rapid, so uh, that would be my great concern. Chelsea in these games, um, you know, the story's just quick, isn't it? So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Just a quick one about Ross Barkley, a player that's really well known around these parts from his time at Everton. How's he getting on? And do you think he, we might see him at Anfield on Wednesday night? Well, as far as English players at Chelsea are concerned, Ross Barkley is doing the best out of anyone. Um, yeah, I think he definitely will play, uh, possibly in both games, but certainly in the cup game. Um, the problem for him is. You know, he started the season as a first choice. He had a great pre-season, uh, but Chelsea signed Matteo Kovacic on loan, and they sort of waited a couple of weeks to get him up to speed. 
straight in and you always felt like Kovacic was going to be uh, an automatic starter. So Barkley's basically the first midfielder off the bench and uh, a lot of Chelsea fans marked him out as the man of the match against West Ham, uh, getting the droop nil-nil. Uh, Barkley came off the bench and uh, almost scored from range and looked really sharp. He's been sharp, he's been physically looking great. Um, I was a bit surprised Southgate didn't call him into the last squad, to be honest. Um, especially ahead of Loftus-Cheek, who's been so high down the pecking order at Chelsea. So, um, Barkley's ahead of Loftus-Cheek in the pecking order, uh, but he's still below the, the sort of main three of Kante, Jorginho and, um, and Kovacic. So, yeah, I think that's an issue uh, for him, but Kante's not really convinced either in his sort of more attacking role, so... He's got something to fight for there, and I think he will fight uh, for a bit longer. And uh, I hope he makes it because, yeah, he's been. He, he seems to be like really ready and on it to sort of take take hold of a place at Chelsea Football Club finally. And um, yeah, it was tough for him when he joined in January, but uh, he seems in great shape now. And Sarri does like him. He could be like Chelsea's Hamsik, uh, you know, that attacking midfielder who breaks through the lines, gets a few goals. I think he needs some goals to really show, you know, that. His good play, you know, can account for something, you know, some goals and assists. Um, he got an assist against Pauk, but I think that that's something that might help him break into the first team and, you know, establish a regular spot. Just the final one, mate. Olivier Giroud has said that this game in midweek, the Carabao Cup clash, uh, could be the perfect preparation for the Premier League game at Stamford Bridge at the weekend. Do you agree or do you think this is just a game that Chelsea, maybe even Liverpool, don't need? Uh, I think that both sides would be pretty annoyed at getting each other in the country, wouldn't they? <laughs> um, especially Chelsea with the away, away trip. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think they, you know, football's always trying to make a positive of it, but uh, yeah, I think absolutely they did want this game. I mean, you've got Man City game, Oxford United, I think. Uh, yeah, that, that would have been much more preferable, but, you know, I guess I guess it's a good chance to measure, measure Chelsea up against Liverpool. I think that it's not the worst time to play Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool fly in, um, nothing to lose. See what see what you made of. Nobody expects anything from Chelsea. They expect more from Liverpool at the moment, I think. Um, and if you if you do make a win, especially in the league game, then you know you, you're kind of asking a lot of questions. Um, I think Liverpool are a much better team, though. You know, you know how you guys started, um, even playing badly. I think when Chelsea play badly, they'll lose or draw. But when Liverpool play badly, they can win. Victories and, and that's a bit of the difference. And, and speaking of Giroud, the, the forward line is a big part of that. I think Liverpool get goals when they play badly, but Chelsea need to play really well to score. So uh, with Morata, with Giroud, they like scored one goal between them in, in their last 15 appearances. For you know, it, 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 it's really bad. It's in the last 15 appearances for Chelsea, uh, including pre-season games. So uh, they can't really rely on for goals. Hazard needs to score. 30 or 40 goals a season to win Chelsea the league and I don't think I don't see that happening either so um, yeah it's a good chance for Chelsea I think the pressure's on Liverpool a bit but Liverpool have stood up to everything so far so it'll be a very interesting week for, for us both Nizar, thanks very much for your time, mate. Enjoy both of those games and uh, we'll catch you up for the uh, return league game in Anfield later this season The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And welcome now by Ian Doyle. First time we've we've spoke for a while. 
Hello there, Paul. I'm okay. Yourself? I'm good. Thanks for asking. I'm always enjoying talking to you, Paul. <laughs> yes. On the other side of the microphone as well. Indeed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, you've been down at the Jurgen Klopp's press conference mm-hmm. for the pre-Chelsea game in the Carabao Cup. What did he have to say for himself? Uh, first thing he said was straight off, he said Simon Mignolet will be playing. He wouldn't be drawn on any other changes, but he did say he would be fielding a very strong or really strong team. I think reading between the lines, he will obviously make some changes. Uh, other than that, he was very, very respectful of the job that um, Maurizio Sarri has done at Chelsea. He said he, he's before, he didn't say miracles, but he more or less said, you know, he's, bear in mind he's only been there for, for a couple of weeks and a lot of his players were on World Cup duty. The fact that he's got six wins out of seven, uh, the one draw at the weekend against West Ham. He, he actually thinks, and it's not the uh, first time he said it, that Chelsea should have a bit more credit for what they've done mm-hmm. this season. I mean, he was also asked about uh, the League Cup itself, pointed out that they've got some competition changes this season. Obviously, there's no re- well, there hasn't been any replays for a while, but now there's no extra time. So it goes straight to penalties, and he said that's a good idea because he, he used the example of when he first came to came to Liverpool, I think it was that January 2016 where Liverpool had got to the League Cup semi-final and they ended up playing replays in the FA Cup as well and they were basically playing in the January. He, he felt like it was almost like every every other day or something like yeah. that. So he, he again had another little bit of a dig at the FA saying it's almost as if the FA don't want teams to, to compete on four fronts. And he got asked about that as well, whether he had a squad that was capable of doing that. And it, it, to be honest, he said, look, I don't know. He says, we'll find out. We're just taking each game as it comes. And uh, he also said that the fact that Liverpool are playing Chelsea in the in the Premier League on Saturday won't have any bearing on this particular game. As he said, he's just taking it game by game. And that first game is the uh, League Cup game. I refuse to call it the Carabao Cup. It's the League, <laughs> Cup. The League Cup game at uh, Anfield tomorrow, which uh, I believe is going to be a sellout. Yeah, ticket prices, good for it, aren't they? Club Cup are getting a lot of credit for it. They were. I think part of that, I think we've covered it in a podcast in the past, uh, is the Torino friendly this season. I think the couple of days before the, the opening game of the season against West Ham, normally the, they haven't actually had one for about four years. The traditional curtain raiser where they, where they host a, a foreign team at Anfield in a, in a friendly. Normally that's, that's sold out, but I think they had something like 40,000, which sounds good, but... You know, it's twelve, thirteen thousand empty seats, and I think they charge thirty pounds or thirty-one pounds for that game. And the ticket prices for this one, are, I think, they're actually a little bit cheap. I think they are thirty, and and that's for the most expensive tickets. So if you're on the cop or anywhere else, then it, it's going to be less than that. I think fans know that the Liverpool team isn't going to be Salah, Firmino, Mane. Well, we know it's not Allison. They're not. They're not stupid. They know that, but. Given Liverpool's squad, I think they know that they're going to have a, a decent team out there, as you'd expect Chelsea to do as well, and they'll be giving it a go. Does that make it a bit more intriguing that it's going to be a new look team? We're going to see the, the likes of Fabinho probably for the first time. Well, I think it will be for the fans. I mean, Fabinho's taken on this kind of mystical <laughs> kind of edge to him because no one's actually, <laughs> actually seen him play. I think he's he's played one competitive minute that was against Paris Saint Germain when he came on, and that got lost amid all <laughs> the celebrations of Fabinho's winner from the bench. Um, I mean, it's not just him, though. There's Shakiri made his first start against uh, Southampton at the weekend. Uh, he got subbed after 45 minutes through, through, for a tactical issue. It was nothing against him. And I think he'll probably start. And then you've got Cater as well, who, who started the season. But like Fabino, like Shakiri, Klopp's been fairly cons- consistent in what he's been saying about, look, it's not about their performance levels. If we didn't think their performance levels were good, we wouldn't have signed them in the first place. But it's to do with getting to know the team, getting to know the system, getting to know the runs. It's down because he's, he does like his tactics. There is a very specific way mm-hmm. Liverpool like to play, or certainly there's very specific ways that they like to play and it involves runs and def- defensive. It's not just all about attacking because 
as anybody who's, who's played football at any level. Not not that I have, of course, but, <laughs> but you, you speak to them and they say it's it's a lot harder to organise a team defensively than it is to set them up in an attacking way. I think I remember seeing Thierry Henry was asked, I think it was on Sky Sports a couple of years ago, he was asked about what it was like playing under under Guardiola at Barcelona, and he said, "Look, my job is to." He said, "Guardiola drew a line on the pitch, which was about halfway through the set, the uh, the attacking half." And he says, "It's my job to organise everybody up to this line. Then after that, you will make it up between mm-hmm. yourselves." I'm not saying that's what Klopp does, but that underlines the fact that it's the defensive organisation is the reason that. Fabinho hasn't been playing and if he does get a chance which it looks as though he might against Chelsea it's the first time he'll be able to test that Word for Suma Mignola I don't think many people would have expected him to still be at the club you know, mm. in the, in the not, least, not least him No, no yeah, and he said didn't he around yeah. the transfer window he wasn't happy with the situation but Klopp had words of praise for him today He did, he did. I mean I, I remember at the time uh, when Mignola said he said it was bizarre the situation that, that he wasn't able to leave because I think Besiktas wanted to sign him rather than Carius, and then the way it turned out, obviously Carius has gone there on a, on a two-year loan. But since then, Mignolet, I think, even when you know, when he first came to Liverpool, when he had that difficult spell, I think it was in his second or third season, I think it was, where he was out of the team, then he was back in it. Uh, and then, obviously, when Klopp came in and um, Carius first got into the team and then dropped out again, he's always been praised for his professionalism, and that's what he's brings to the squad and that's what he's been showing in training every day you have to look at his uh, his social media his Twitter Twitter account whenever Liverpool play a game and whenever they win a game which has been every game this season obviously but <laughs> he's been busy he's, he's, been, he's, been, he's been you know cheering on and, and, and all, all better for it just a final one Carabao Cup League Cup even. League Cup Milk yeah. Cup Little Wins Cup <laughs> show our age <laughs> It's probably the bottom of the list of priorities for Liverpool mm. this season, but it should it be. You know, you've looked, you see in recent years, teams that have won it have then gone on to have even more success. And Liverpool in the eighties used to do it all the time. Well, this is the thing. I mean, you look at Jose Mourinho when he went to Chelsea. The first trophy he won was the League Cup against Liverpool, and then obviously went on to win. He was always going to win the league that year, but that was the first one that he won. And I think the second time he went to Chelsea, I think he did exactly mm. the same thing. And then when he when he he went to United. Did he, he, yeah. he did it yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Klopp, his first final was a League Cup final. Yeah. Uh, Benitez, his first final was a League Cup final. And, and you're right, because it's the first trophy that can be won, if you can get that under your belt. I think Man City, the, when they first won the league, I'm trying to go off the top of my head. I think, they I think Pellegrini yeah, won. Yeah, it was Sunderland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they won the league that year, had a Liverpool. So, the League Cup's there to be won. And the interesting thing about it is that because. All the top teams rotate their players and use, use their squad. You find that the other teams that are like the lower rung teams, you know, the likes of you know Leicester. Okay, they won the league of the year, but you have to say they're like second tier in that. They do the same thing as well. So what a surprise to find that their reserve teams aren't beating the likes of the United. Okay, they did win, they beat Liverpool last year, yeah. but they didn't go on to win the trophy. No, the fact that I can't remember who did who did win the trophy. Uh, City. City, there City you go. You beat again, Arsenal yeah. finally. Yeah. City, City beat Arsenal. Through. So there you go. You, you look. I mean, Liverpool were in the final 2016. United 2017. Yeah. So the big teams take it seriously in the sense that they know it's a trophy they can win, but they do it according to the level that they they want to go at, which is the same as everybody else. Which is not putting your, your full team out, but your near full team, giving some of your fringe players a chance, which is what Liverpool will be doing and what Chelsea will be doing on Wednesday. Listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.